Greetings, everyone. Welcome back. This is Julie Knudsen with the podcast Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 145. Today's episode uh, can't, can't be a G update because we still have uh, lots of snow everywhere. So a lot of the things I wanted to do this week with her, I cannot yet. We're going to do some more bird work. But because of many, many discussions that I've had lately, this episode is going to be about uh, young dogs and bird introduction. And when I say young dogs, generally I'm going to be speaking about six months and down because that's where, for those of you that are going to be upland hunters, that's the ideal time to get that spark going. You know, if your dog's a year old and hasn't been uh, on birds, then certainly this will apply. But you've got a little more to deal with because the dog um, doesn't know about that. You haven't kind of tapped into that primal part of them. And, but a lot of others you have, the retrieving, the social, the regular life. And so this is, that's, it's a bigger step to fully grasp, grasp the upland thing sometimes. Or there's a lot of assumptions they make when they start doing it based on all the stuff they've done before. And so that's why with a young dog, I like, I like, you know, at eight or nine weeks, if I can, uh, they just, it makes no sense. It doesn't compute at all. They'll just walk right over a live bird. And other little dogs, you know, I've seen... Uh, little dogs just lock up and point when the first time they smell a, a live bird. So there's a lot of a variety of uh, responses that you can get out of this, but I want to talk about some general things. Now, whoever, whenever you talk to people about this, you know, about bird introduction, then what we all do is we fall back on what we learned when we were first learning this stuff. Maybe we had an old bird dog guy that taught us, you know, he had spaniels or he had uh, English setters or something. And so this is how they did it. So then they teach us and then that's how we proceed. And I had a lot of that. Um, I had the pointer people show me some stuff and then that's, that was the best stuff. I've had some retriever pup uh, people show me what they've done. And frankly, a lot of that, I just moved on past through experience. So I've gotten, it would be like me in this learning thing to get as much information as I possibly can on the different ways. Cause that's not black and white. It's not like today's politics where these guys are right and these guys are wrong. It isn't that way. It's the experiences that everyone brings into their dog work. You know, that's all you've got. This is what I saw work, worked really well with old Fang. So I'm going to do it now with, with uh, everybody else. So that said, so I've taken all of that and, and trained, I, I don't know how many dogs, but it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these little guys. And so just based on that, I offer what my experiences have been and what I've gotten out of this and how I approach things today. I believe that upland work for an upland dog, particularly our retrievers, and I'm going to differentiate that slightly from the excellent other upland dogs that are out there that don't do water blinds and water triples and all that kind of stuff. It's a, it, there's a, another element to this because we require in doing this multi, you know, variety of work, real super control work and then less so, we require a lot more out of them mentally. Uh, whether we know it or not. And the more that we're aware of that, the better a job we can do doing the whole dog training. So I'm really orienting this towards dogs that may also be taught to handle and do, you know, 
water blinds and do what they're told at 300 yards on a dead run, that kind of thing. So that's, that's how I'm directing this. I, th I fully believe that for those dogs, the upland work, and this might seem odd, I think, I'll make an analogy. I think a dog that gets very good at upland work, and by that, I don't mean passes an APLA test. I mean gets really good at finding birds and working with us in the hunting thing. No insult to the APLA, but that's just a little niche of what these dogs are capable of doing in the upland field. I, these guys um, are engaging mentally and emotionally, similarly to someone, this can seem odd, who got a notice in the mail that they're going to undergo an IRS audit. And let's say they're not criminal, so they're not terribly worried, but they have to undergo an IRS audit. So when you're going to do that, one, you know, you have it, and I haven't had one, so I can't really speak from experience, but there's, you have to get a lot of things ready. You have to be aware of a lot of things. You have to have prior tax returns. You have to have those filed away. You have to know where they are. You have to understand them, or you have to have your capable accountant with you. You have to find out the date and the time, what all they want you to bring. Then you have to get there and then et cetera, et cetera. So when you do this thing that happens to a lot of people in regular life, okay, there's a lot of stuff that you have to know and do and be prepared for to go in there and get through that thing successfully. It's not just like, yeah, hey, walk in there, talk to them for a little while, it's all good. It's not as simple, you know, as it's just not simple. And what goes on in the upland field for a dog that's learning and getting to that point is way less involved than people think. I don't know that it's, it, to the dog, it's really kind of straightforward and it is simple to them. But I think the more awareness we have of all the stuff they have to go through to get this is a very big thing. So let me, let's just take a little trip. Let's take G. G's five and a half months old. She's only been on birds a couple times and that's not nearly enough, but winter makes it pretty tough. Um, I couldn't even get birds here. So, so I'm, I'm, didn't do as good a job on that as I would like, but not, not by choice. But when you take a little dog like that, okay, there's so much going on when we head out, when we go out. For one, she doesn't know yet. She hadn't had bird shot for her yet, but she doesn't know, she's got guns and stuff, exactly what we're doing. Are we just going on one of our walks that we do all the time? In which case, in the beginning, it was like, okay, I'm just looking for more stuff to eat. And we changed that over to, no, we're not here just looking for stuff to eat. We're moving through the field together. We're together. We do this together. Um, I'm important. I don't direct you and tell you what to do, but you be aware of me and think that it's important to be around me. So that's a big deal. A dog takes a while to learn that. Then when you start putting some birds out there, hopefully ones that are going to be somewhat findable, you know, it's if they need to be kind of findable, if they're just going to run away, all you're going to, the dog's going to learn is the bird smell and nothing's ever there. Or if it is, you have to just run half a mile to see if you can get any closer to it. So that's in their head. So then we're going to have, we're going to put a bird out there somewhere or two that they can, you know, encounter. So now here we go. We get, we diverge on how people do this. 
Some people put a bird out there, mark the little ribbon with it, and then walk right at it with their dog. So really what they're communicating to this dog, never mind, I know what's in their head. I want to get out here and get this bird encountered. But they're, they're determined and they're walking in a certain direction. So the dog who's been taught to pay attention to you, that you're important, that you're relevant, how they go through the field, they're like, okay, I, I guess, boy, I better stay with them. So they got this control thing going. And then, you know, when people get it, they start to slow down. When they get, to, you know, close to where the scent comes going to be, they start slowing down. Well, that communicates something to the dog. <laughs> if you've been doing the walk stuff, right? May They may be paying no attention to you, and they're just running wild, in which case you didn't do the upfront work. So you're trying to teach multiple things. You're trying to teach, hey, you stay with me in the field reasonably close, and there's going to be interesting things to find. You're trying to teach all that at once. That's a lot for a wild little harebrained puppy. If you've done it in order, it's a little easier. They're going out with you. But when you start slowing down, and then there's the pressure that builds. Whether you're aware of it or not, this is different now. This is different than when you've done the walks before. So now there's something in the air, and they don't know what it is. And depending how their interactions in all of life is with you, either they get worried because maybe you're going to start enforcing some obedience stuff. Or maybe they go, oh, there he goes again. He's doing this stuff. I'm out of here. And they tune you out and try to disengage. So when you change something like that, right, the dogs, it's a different thing. So when some dogs are very sensitive to you changing your behavior and, you know, some are less so and some just don't give a flip, in which case you got another issue to deal with, which again, should have been addressed on the walks earlier. And I've talked a lot about that with G because I had that problem with her. So you're moving out through the field and then you do encounter um, roughly where the scent cone ought to be, right? And now you stop, right? <laughs> That's what people do. They stop and they stand there very often like the dog. And now when you stop, right, that means something to the dog if you've been working for them, with them. If not, I, it, I, it means whatever and they're, they're just out there kind of running through the field and they're going to probably go, oh, is this something I can eat? So anyway, you go out there and you count on this bird. And if you just stop, then things are different. So anyway, this is just the first bird. This is all the stuff going on in this little dog's head that very often people don't think about because they're all excited about the bird encounter. But your dog, who's very tuned in to their environment and the energy between the two of you and what's going on, there's a lot of input right there. So usually if it's kind of fake and kind of set up and you're changing your behavior, it's... It's often a cause of concern or they're curious, like, what's something's different? What is this? So you want to just at least minimize uh, weird and different things. You want to just be doing what you normally do and provide them an opportunity to encounter that scent cone. Now, they may just go right by it, in which case, you know, maybe it wasn't the bird left maybe the smell wasn't very strong maybe there's no breeze you know you've got to think about all those kind of things but if you're doing a bird introduction and the dog is missing it see if you can kind of back up and go the other direction and bring them back across it if you know sometimes that will be helpful so if they don't then just go on in there and kick the thing up make sure they're seeing you and then have that thing you know and then it's going to fly when they're going to want to chase it 
but it's real important to be aware of what's going on in this little dog's head. And people get real artificial and real contrived when they first start doing this. And so the dog generally does one of two things, gets worried and concerned and starts sticking to you, or just goes, well, this is way better than hanging around with him or her, so I'm out of here. And then they're chasing birds and really disconnect. What you want when you're doing bird introduction and bird work on young dogs is that they're focused on looking for something and at the same time aware that you're important and they need to remain somewhat engaged with you. I mean, you can't really enforce anything with a little puppy. Purpose of the daily walk is to build up that connection so you already have that part. But it's important to be aware of what your body language does. Remember, that's how they communicate real easily and whether what your personal energy level is if you're all like oh boy this is gonna be great this was expensive bird and this has to work dog feels all of that and sometimes you still have a great time with them because they're just so into the bird thing and other times they're kind of worried and people get real disappointed whatever your dog does it does this ideally should start when they are old enough to mentally grasp the different scents and they have begun to be able to use the wind a little bit. So when they're getting ready for their IRS audit, they're actually learning. They're, getting, they're learning this stuff for some day to be able to do this kind of stuff. When they go out there, when first when they go out in the field, they don't know anything. I don't care if you bought the world's greatest puppy out of the two greatest upland hunting dogs that ever lived. When you first start going out in the field, they have their don't know what's happening. Again, that's a purpose, one of the purposes of the walk. They don't know what's happening. So they're just out there and they're under your feet or they're in the way or they're looking, you know, a rabbit pops up and they run after that. They don't know. So that's one of the things on a young dog. They have to know, hey, when you go out in the field and we walk through it and you stay with me and there's interesting smells, which winds up turning into eating icky stuff. Um, but they've got to learn that. And they don't just get it the first time. And they're not born knowing this stuff. They're just not born knowing this stuff. Michael Jordan wasn't born knowing how to do so many good free throws or three-point three shots. He wasn't born that way. It took some, some, he just had the talent. That's the same with these guys. So first, they, they do need to understand moving through a field. So you can't teach moving through a field. This is a field. You, you use the wind. You, do, you can't, that's a lot of stuff. So you want them to know about that. Right there is where they develop the understanding their nose and smelling stuff. That's how they find all the truffles out there that they eat all the time. Now, G was a, a, a master level poop finder. She just was that, and which was just driving me nuts. But that dog has a fantastic nose, and she was learning how to use it. I didn't like what it was being used for, but it was too early. But when I can, now I'm starting to turn that around and the nose is being used and they have to learn how to intake information through their nose and then make sense of that. Okay. They don't just automatically know. So you have to go out there and endure the eating stuff and the finding stuff because that's where they begin to take in information through their nose and understand, oh, that's something to eat. Oh, that's something else. That's very compelling. Or, oh, that smells terrible. I'm going to go the other way. You, they have to have that opportunity to learn. You can't learn that and have the bird out there at the same time, or at least it's sure not very easy. 
A lot of people, if you do hurry this stuff, then you kind of got a duct tape program here. You just sort of stick stuff on. The dog isn't going to be able to go do its IRS edit, audit and provide all the information and understand what's being asked. So this is how you get the dog ready for something that requires, believe it or not, a great deal from them mentally and all the other ways. So we got the nose, we got the eye thing. We have the eyes. So they're using, when they're really young, the eyes don't see very far. But as they're getting up there, you know, obviously the vision gets better and better. So they take in information with their nose and they take in information with their eyes. And we have to give them opportunities to learn that because they can, you know, the movement thing. If you've ever trained a young dog in the upland field and there's a bird out there somewhere, and your dog, especially, I love it, the pointing guys, or the flushing ones too, you know, they go locate that bird and then it like pops up out the side over to one side and it's walking away. Dog just has no clue it's there. I've seen that so many times, you know, because they're not used to using their eyes on stuff. So that's another skill that, you know, when you're hunting, you can't have the pheasant just, whoop, just run off the road down the side and the dog never sees a thing. So how to use their eyes when they need to be looking for things, when they, you know, it's real important and less so. That's another upland skill that takes time and exposure to develop. Because many times they, I've had dogs go on point and it just pops over the back and it's just walking and visual, just visual. It's walking over the side and that dog is highly focused and that's really good. But it didn't know what to do about the scent was dropping right? How much scent they were getting because the bird moved. So that was dropping. And then the, the birds, they have to learn about that stuff. The difference between it's there now, okay, it's not there so much anymore. It must be moving. That's something they have to figure out. You cannot teach them that they have to learn it through experience. And so when the scent diminishes, many times you'll see a more experienced dog just look, glance around a little bit because it knows that the dog, the bird is moved. But the only way they learn that is by experiencing that without somebody in the middle telling them what to do. Because as soon as you're in there saying, whoa, or whatever you do and engaging and getting in between that dog and that bird, you cut that learning thing. And now they're learning whenever you get a bird, hey, he's going to start yammering all the time. And that's not something you want them to think about. So those kind of things the dogs have to have to figure out another thing for example that they have to figure out when they're out there and they've found a bird and i'll just say they're on point because this is a, a pointing thing too if they're a flushing bird then all the action happens a flushing dog it happens pretty quickly they go on point and they point what you know crosswind they point their nose their eyes are in the direction the wind is coming because that's how they winded the bird then the wind shifts then it circles or does something else. A lot of times, a lot of times, especially on young and experienced guys, they're going, they're going a crosswind and they smell, they smell, uh, just for a minute, the wind shifts and they smell a bird on the other side and they lock up on point, not into the wind, the prevailing wind. If I, if I hope that made sense. Normally they just say they're just running along and there's a prevailing wind from the right and all of a sudden it swirls and there's a bird on their left and they point over towards the left and they're like facing in the same direction as the wind, which would mean the bird would be downwind of them. 
Okay, and then the wind, you know, prevailing wind comes back. So just for a flash, they got a bird on the other side of the regular wind, and they're on point. Now they can't smell it at all. So what are they supposed to do? They learn through that particular experience that if the scent is strong enough and the wind is swirling, it's there. Versus an inexperienced dog where they smell it and they stop and then they don't smell it anymore. And then you can just see the confusion in their face. And so they have to figure that out. Don't get in the middle of it. Telling them what to do because you just, they have to learn that stuff. And when you allow the learning process to occur that way, then they can get really good. So that's another, I could just go on and on with all the different kind of unusual things. Many times I've had this happen in competition. I've had it happen a lot in just regular real life. You know, they're, they're looking for birds, they're hunting and they point one and then they smell another one. You know, it might be in competitions, as long as you have birds that are close to each other, they point one and then they point one and then they're pointing the other one and then they come back. And until they're experienced, they're just, it's like, they don't know what to do. Again, you don't get in there and get in the middle of it. What I, what I actually do, if they do that, I let them work it out and there might wind up moving and one flies up or something like that. But there's another thing when there's more than just, you know, there might be a little covey of something or whatever there, or just something odd. They have to learn how sense, what sense mean and what you do with that. When you allow them to learn and noodle through that in their head, then they don't need to point right on top of stuff. If you train real mechanically, then they learn to point right on top of stuff. And hopefully that'll work in an APLA test. Doesn't work with real birds. So it, it's, if you want one of those dogs that points safely back so you can hunt wild birds and you can have this have this work for you when you stay out of directing all of their moves and making everything very artificial and contrived then they will they don't when they get that first convincing scent they have already learned through experience don't go running in there because everything is that's over and yet if the bird is moving then they know that they have permission to reposition to continue to indicate that bird now I can see if someone's listening to this, they're going, well, there's no control. You're just letting the dog do whatever it wants. Not really, because as a young dog under six months of age, six, seven months of age, you don't have a lot of control. You know, maybe you have your long cord, which means you're nagging them about everything all the time, but um, you, you don't really have any control. As soon as they get old enough that you can get your foundation on there and you can get your obedience and your collar conditioning, then you can de-chase these dogs. That's one thing you can do so that when the bird comes up, they're done, regardless of anything. And then when you do the wool breaking, not in the field, but elsewhere, elsewhere, you will see that work for you in the field if you take the time and do it sufficiently and thoroughly understanding again what's going on in the dog's head when you're doing it not just going through the motions when you have that now you have a dog whose style is not taken down who doesn't go on point turn around look at you and wag their tail because they know you're going to intervene and tell them what to do um, when you let them learn the bird things let them learn that stuff without getting in the middle of it, hopefully safely, because this is not easy to do. A lot of birds are flying away. Um, 
so, you know, you get wherever the priority is. But the more that they can learn about that stuff, the better. And so ideally, like I said, I like to do birds once a week, unless a problem starts and they're just getting out of control crazy, then I stop um, until I can do some basic obedience stuff and get that connection between the two of us uh, kind of put together. So to kind of to, to talk about this, to review, then young dogs on the, the walk, that is, I've always said, the single most valuable training tool I've ever had because so much is accomplished there. Over there, when you just do the walk every day, now I don't mean a walk down to the park, I mean a walk in a field, they're off a leash and they are independent from you, but very connected. So they learn to stay with you, they learn to be connected, they learn that they go your direction, they learn um, that you're very significant 100% of the time, they learn to use their nose, they learn to use their eyes, they, you know, they learn some bad stuff like all the excrement they can eat and sometimes there's little critters to chase. They learn some of that. That's the downside of it. But it's the, the price you pay is, that's worth it. That's worth it. Because then when you, when you start the bird introduction, you already got the nose and the eyes and the movement part sort of taken care of so they can focus more fully on the sense that they're getting and this bird thing. And usually when you've done all your preliminary work and then you start your bird introduction, whether it's at 10 weeks or 14 weeks or 16 weeks or 20 weeks, whenever you can and whenever they're ready, when you start that, that is a, that's a big deal and it's very thrilling to them. And so now, now you got this dog that's, they kind of transform when you do it a few times. Now, when you go on the walk, they hunt the whole time hunting the whole time still keep them with you still got to listen but it's so thrilling and so now they're not so much looking for the rabbit poop as they are that bird that's out there so they've been able to change their focus over to this purpose and then they have to learn all the things about the bird things how they how they uh smell when they sit somewhere how they smell when they were there and they're moving what that is all like. They can smell, and if you, depending on how you train these guys, you might teach them to just track you right out there and there it's going to be. Got to be careful of that. These guys are very smart. Um, they might learn that you always put uh, birds in a certain kind of bush or a certain kind of grass clump. So then they'll just go out and hunt for those things. They point out every mistake we ever make. So they'll go out and hunt and look for likely places. You know, if you have kind of sparse cover, they'll do that. So you got to make sure that they're learning what you want them to learn. Again, that's why I like alfalfa, not on the beginner. I like to know a bird is going to be somewhere so that I can get my encounter and then it can fly away. But later on, I like to cover where the birds can move. Because it's like, dog, you've got to figure this out. And it isn't by me telling them what to do. For some reason... Many people think that they are extraordinarily important and that they direct all this. And ultimately, no. If you want a really good upland dog, they should do all of the work and you just go where they, go with them and then shoot the birds and then carry them in your bag, in your vest. That's how this should work. If they're allowed to get all of this done. So if you start with a lot of control first then they never get the skill development that you might want them to have. 
if you let them just go absolutely nuts and have absolutely no connection with them at all, then you, later on you're going to have to have an electric collar and you're going to have to make them do certain things. None of that stuff uh, is necessary if you're willing to just put in a little bit of the time early. So, to start to sum this thing up, when you're going to do bird introduction, I would really ask people, instead of being so completely goal-oriented, okay, it's expensive, I put three checker out here, and I dizzy them, and I set them down there, and I put stuff over them so I know they're not going to get away because this was expensive. And so I'm going to go out and get this bird, this dog, downwind of the bird, and I'm going to get these bird encounters. And, and I want to see, you know, if you have a pointer, you want to see them point, right? You're really looking for that. Uh, if you have a flusher, then you just want to see how good they are at finding the bird. And you walk out there real goal-oriented. Um, that, again, transfers to the dog. There's pressure there. They do feel that, and there's expectation there. Your demeanor will change from your regular walk, especially when it involves money. If instead, I know it involves money, I know it's, I know it's, you know, and it's hard to find the time and places to do this stuff. If you could go out instead, you've provided the opportunities to this little future superstar. You have provided the opportunities. Your job is almost done. The only thing you want to do is make sure that you get the dog somewhere out there where it can take advantage of locating a bird out there and you do it without and now this is hard to hard to imagine do it without expectation just you know maybe your dog won't even recognize a bird who knows but instead of your you're going out there with your goal sit back and watch the learning process and the figuring process of this dog that is very rewarding especially if your long-term goal is a fantastic upland dog then you need to that's your goal not today go out there and provide learning opportunities and then sit back and watch what the dog is figuring out it is fascinating to watch these little guys at first you know the first time they don't really you know, maybe they just like, oh my gosh, what was that? I've seen dogs turn around and run back to me when a bird flew. It's like, I, I, that was terrible. Did I do something wrong? You know, and just laugh, just keep going. And if you just allow them to, to begin to noodle out what they're doing and begin to make sense of it in their perspective, not by your direction, because they don't learn by your direction. They just have to follow orders. But if you let them get out there in their little dog heads, because this is a very primal place. This is, this is them doing what they were put on the earth to do. And there are generations of DNA that have all been there just for this. So if you let them develop that and experience that and learn from that, you will ultimately have... Uh, a dog that goes that goes to its IRS audit, has all the paperwork, knows exactly what they want, has evidence for everything to show them that everything is good, comes through smiling because they had all they had a complete understanding of everything that was necessary. But if you go out and just do everything for your dog and have very limited opportunities and have a lot of expectations and barking a lot of commands hooking a bunch of stuff on them then uh they're going to be learning something different and it's just nice if you've ever and i bet a lot of you listening to me have had one of those ones where you don't have to say a word 
you just you get out they're under control of course because they know that's what they're supposed to do and they wait and then they go out there and they they're doing their job of finding birds their job their job they can look those dogs can look out in a field or location where you are and with a, with a little bit of experience they're going to know where the birds are going to probably likely be and they do that that thing i don't know if you've ever seen it where they come out and they lift their nose up before they go out there real high and then they lower down i'm not exactly sure what they're doing but i think they're finding out they're sensing on a level that we don't have about the presence of birds out there whether they're all moving away right now whether they're there whether they're high just the whole thing they have a level that we don't get this is their world not ours we just shoot the birds that's all we do and if you allow that to develop and i'll, I'll tell one little story there was one guy that that uh, had a, an exceptional dog and he hunted he was a wild bird guy he did not like you know the, the put and take places and stuff and that's pretty simple for a really good dog after they under they have, they've tracked the people they track the four-wheeler they know if the birds are not there but when you're playing the real game with the birds that are fighting for their lives out there he, and that's what he liked to do and so we got his you know grandmaster i don't know all this titles and stuff the dog was trained really well and all that stuff and the dog was so good and he was so good at uh, letting the dog do its thing when he would go they would go a uh, wild pheasant hunting and his dog because when you enter a field generally the pheasant just move out the other side right that's how they stay alive his dog learned he was not told he was not directed that dog learned that under certain kinds of fields and circumstances that's what happened he went down i'm not exaggerating to the other side of stuff went down i don't know i never know exactly how far but he went out a ways and he would start to hunt back towards the two guys that were hunting and so that way whether he pointed and they had to get out there or whether birds were being pushed they weren't losing them i mean this guy this dog figured this out because he was allowed to really understand birds and his ability to detect them and what they do and he responded he's very serious about locating these guys and he figured this stuff out and you can have extreme levels of that and maybe a lot of you listening have have stories of amazing things that dogs can do but they're not doing it because you're marionette stringing them and everything what they have to do you've given them a lot of opportunities and on the young dogs people because it's about young dogs if you ultimately want that level of pleasure when you're out doing that and expertise then instead of getting them on birds and forcing this stuff to happen and seeing how it is and maybe you can get them certified and all that if you just sit there and go this dog is just a baby dog and needs to learn this stuff and it you know maybe a fast learner maybe a medium learner maybe a slow learner they've got to figure this out and your job is to understand you're teaching them how to use all of their senses and their connection with you and the environment and that's a lot to do it is a lot to do it's not like going through kindergarten it's like getting all the way through high school it's a big deal and there are a lot of components to it so i feel very strongly that uh if people approach it observing their dog watching them and giving them all those opportunities to do that um then they're going to be have a maybe an amazing dog it is difficult if you live in the city and you have to drive a long ways to be able to get a bird or a place to do it it is difficult 
depending on how important upland hunting is to you, uh, make it work if you can. Maybe on Sundays, you know, maybe find a way. Use pigeons if you have to. But it is, in this young dog's life, if you can do it in this first part before hunting season comes up, and then, you know, hunt too, do the real thing. Once you have the tools, once you have that stuff, it's amazing. It's just amazing. These guys are so much better hunters than we are, so much better bird finders than we are. And if we would accept that and give them the opportunities, they just have to do it with us. It has to be a team thing. Um, it is one of the greatest pleasures there is. So bird introduction on a young guy before they know a bunch of other stuff is how we're going to get through this IRS audit without a single finding, without any penalties, came in prepared, know exactly what we're doing, and, and, and that's a negative deal, and that's probably not a good sophistication of what's going on in these dogs' heads. They're figuring out stuff that we don't even know what it is. I have seen dogs know things, and I don't know how they did. So there's things going on there that are beyond my ability to perceive because I'm just a big old human without much of a nose. But I know that if you give them the opportunity, all of that stuff develops, and they can be exceptional. So... I offer that to people on the young dog thing. I sound kind of hokey, but I'm not because I've seen it so many times and it's just one of the greatest pleasures and it's not artificial and it looks really, really awesome when you do see it in a competitive field. So that's today. Hoping for the snow to melt. Still wanting to get G on bird so I can film that and see if she's crazy and wild or what's going on on that. Meanwhile, I wish everybody the best. And G and I, I hope we'll be back soon.